right, Jen Cooper, the Keeper here, ready for the next episode of the Mixed Zone Women's Soccer Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. This is episode number 286. With that number, we'll look back at the 286th game ever played by the U.S. Women's National Team. That was back in November 2002 against Costa Rica, played on a baseball field, but actually a really nice baseball field. It was played at Safeco Field in Seattle. It was the CONCACAF semifinal, uh, what they called the Women's Gold Cup at, at the time. That semifinal meant that with the 7-0 win, the USA qualified for its fourth Women's World Cup. That tournament was the qualifying tournament for the 2003 Women's World Cup. U.S.'s game, 7-0 win, hat-trick, included a hat-trick by Parlo, Cindy Parlo, plus the first international goal for Angela Hughley's. All right, two chats today uh, with some of my favorite NWSL broadcasters. First, I caught up with Jordan Angeli. We talked about the favorite NWSL games that she played in, in or the two seasons that she played in NWSL. And then I talked to Josh Toll, who called more NWSL games than anybody else last year. So we talked about a few of the favorite games that he was on the call for in 2019. And I will be sure to link all of the games we reference on KeeperNotes.com if you want to track them down and watch them. And of course, in between the two chats is the new recurring segment called Jen's Planning. This week, I talk about Women's World Cup playoff games. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter. You can follow at MixZone, and that's two X's, and also at KeeperNotes. Jen Cooper, the keeper here with Jordan Angeli. Um, we'll just call you woman of the world, Jordan, because it's always, it's always kind of hard to track you down. You know, you, you could be in France, you could be in yeah. Ohio, you could be on the West someone, Coast working a U.S. game. Right. Someone told me last year um, I was Carmen Sandiego. They're like, we <laughs> never know where in the world you are. And I was like, actually, that's a very good point. And um, so this has been a real a real different lifestyle for me because I usually in this last month, I would have taken at least six or seven flights, but um, I have not taken any, which is a new thing. I know. Like I, I'm in such a weird mode of like, what day is it? What week is it? Cause usually my weeks are marked by games at the end of them. Right. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there aren't any, and yeah. And had a lot of travel canceled and just, yeah. I mean, I, I, I have mm-hmm. to remind myself, I'm lucky that, you know, I yeah. am not an essential worker. So not being exposed to, to the worst of things. And that if boredom is my biggest problem, you know, I'm very lucky, but it's, it's so strange. Right. And, and yeah. I think we're, we're all about to run out of the number of games we can old, old classics that Rewatch. we can watch and be satisfied by. Like even me, like I love, I love to, you know, dive into old school Wosa, but it's like, okay, like I need the real thing now. Yeah. You know? So I how know, are you keeping yourself entertained? I actually don't feel like I've been bored. I have been occupying myself. Um, I have this big project that um, I, don't want to talk a lot about what the book is going to be about, but I'm writing a book. So that is huge. Wow. Um, that, that takes a lot of my time. Um, but I also write before 
this all started, I took a job with the Columbus crew as their TV analyst at the end of February. And so I have been doing stuff for the crew, have been working on some ideas of things that I would like to do in NWSL. And hopefully that will be launched here pretty soon. Um, yeah, just staying busy and trying to just use this time as a um, kind of time that I wouldn't have like had in a way to catch up on some things that I have been excited about for a long time. But uh, yeah, doing some stuff for the crew mostly, which has been nice. And um also getting my fair share of Netflix in, of course. <laughs> of course. And TikTok. Of my course. brother and I have done some TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could only imagine, huh? Well, well speaking of, of watching old soccer, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I threw this question out to you a few days ago and you're like, I don't know. Um, but, I, but I'm glad you're able to think of some like, you know, what are your favorite games that, that you yeah. played in because one of the things like I, last week last episode with with Dan Laletta we recapped for like really significant NWSL and U.S. national team games and and I made sure mm-hmm. they were games that that people could watch you know it's like that they right. were significant not just for being exciting on the field but you know what they meant yeah. historically but but I, th- I thought it'd be fun to just kind of switch it up and like hey just from you as a player what what games you're just like you know, you'll think of that game sometime and go, that was really cool. Yeah. I think there's, um, there's a few that there's probably four that stand out to me Mm -hmm. and, um, all four of them, I played like various roles in them. So I think that that keeps it pretty unique and I'm just going to stick with NWSL games because, um, my career personally was way better in WPS in that one year that I played there <laughs> than it was in Woo, Breakers 2010. <laughs> yeah, just because of the circumstances that of which I was getting back from my third ACL and um, you know trying to acclimate back into playing at the highest level. But um, honestly, I just needed more time. I needed more support as far as like. I needed a trainer that could help me get back to that spot, but that's expensive and I wasn't making that much money, you know? So there's all those things that kind of um, limited my NWSL career. Mm -hmm. But when playing in NWSL, like I think first and foremost, the the game that stands out to me the most is my first game back is in that 2014 season playing for the Washington spirit and going through preseason feeling like, gosh, this just is the best thing. I can't believe I'm back on a soccer team. I can't believe we're about to play a game. Um, and we were playing the Western New York Flash, which is ironic because then I ended up getting traded there the following <laughs> year. Um, but that game was so special to me because I didn't really know if that was ever going to happen again. Um, honestly, truly, I rehabbed for three years after my last ACL thinking all I really focused on was like my best health. Like I wanted to be the healthiest version of Jordan I could be. And so that was my intention, not getting back to playing pro sports. And so when I got back there and it was, it did become a reality and my whole entire family flew out, my parents, my brother, my sister. So they were in the stands when I got substituted in towards the end of that game. And I, got to get back on the field for the first time in over three years. And it was, um, I wish I could explain what it felt like in anticipation of 
that sub card going up, you know, that, that board that tells you who you're subbing in for. Um, it was like so much emotion of like elation, but like this sense of calm, like I had done everything I could do and now I get got to live out my life again. And that was really cool. Um, and so I don't remember much about the game. I remember before I went in, Tiffany Weimer was on my team and she had just actually injured herself and she was waiting to see what was going on. But her and I had been good friends since the Boston Breakers days. And she ran over to me as I was waiting there and she hugged me and she whispered in the, my ear and she was like, I'm so proud of you. Go get it or something, you know, to that extent. Aww. I don't remember the exact words. But um, there's a picture of her hugging me, and it, I just remembered I those words helped bring that calm sense, like you had done everything, Jordan. And um, for her to support me in that moment was really special. So, um, yeah, I played the game and got to celebrate and cry and happy tears with my family uh, later that night and celebrate that. But So that was like my first, the first game that came up when you asked me about that. And what's funny is that's my first memory of you following NWSL because I remember seeing all of the the tweets and stories around it. And that was right Mm -hmm. around, you know, the the beginning of the first DAS season and all these people saying, oh my God, it's so amazing that that Jordan Angeli is back. And I'm like, why do I know that name? You know, Mm -hmm. so it was it was kind of neat to read those stories. And when you think about how a lot of your your time away from the game was in that weird pocket between uh, WPS and and, and NWSL, you know, it's it's Mm -hmm. like it's it's definitely the when no one was watching kind of thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um it felt really strange in a way because not as if I was um, a a big time player, but I think I had established in my years at Boston, how thankful and appreciative I was of the people that supported us. And so I think fans really latched onto that. And, um, and the reason I did that is because I was so thankful. Like, I still am so thankful. Like, I still have people who follow me on Twitter and talk about Boston days. And, you know, I just think that our fans are super special. And um, in that in-between, it was almost as if I was just, like, living my life so separate from soccer. I had to, I had to personally separate myself from soccer because I did feel really wronged by it. Um, in order to heal. So then when I got to this point that I had healed and I was able to come back, I think everybody was like, what? Like, how did this happen? (laughs) (laughs) Where has she been? (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's awesome. So yeah, I I really appreciated everyone welcoming me with open arms. So um, yeah, that's my first game. My other three games that I think of um, are shorter stories, but are actually with the Western New York Flash, which I wouldn't have thought that in, when you asked me this, because for me, that was just a really difficult, <laughs> <laughs> difficult season for me. Um, but the three games that st- st- stand out for me in that 2015 uh, Western New York Flash season is our first two games of season. So, um you know, I was a part, I was the oldest player on a team with 11 rookies. And now you look at North Carolina Courage and that's a team with still those wow. same rookies 
Yeah, wow. that, that same rookie class. And so I felt a real, like, a real purpose within that squad of, um, you know, being able to support them as newcomers into the, into a league where they, you know, were just becoming first time professionals, but also um, have being someone that had their back and allowing them to throw, you know, throw ideas off of me and say, you know, I don't feel like this is right. And, and show them how they could have their voice within a team. Um, but also to be like, I really felt like I could be the best team player that I've ever been. And being a part of a team is super special. And I've always, uh, I think first and foremost, really love just that idea of like, it's not just about me. And New York really gave me like, it really showed that on a different level because I really wasn't contributing barely at all. But those first two games of the season, we went to, um, we had a West coast trip. So we had our first game in Seattle and then the next week and we played Portland. So we just stayed out there. And um, my parents came out to the Seattle game and then my whole family came out to the Portland game, but the Seattle game, I didn't start. And I came in at halftime and we were losing one to nothing, but we were playing like, it was like all those rookies on the field and there was like real, they, I think they were just, they're amazing players. I'm not saying they're not amazing players, but like, I think the game just like shocked them a little bit. And right. So I, I remember that halftime. game. Yeah. I came on at halftime and Jen, I, I don't think I've ever told anybody this story with um, like on something that's been recorded, but this is one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Um, as a soccer player in those. So I told you I was rehabbing to be the best player that I, or best like healthiest version of myself. But uh, one of the things I was doing a lot of was like visualizing, you know, like, okay, if I get back on to a team or if I get back on to the national team, like this is the goal I, I am going to score. And so I had been doing this visualization of this goal that I felt like I was going to score. And I, I built, I would build the whole thing up in my visualization routine where we were in Rio. It was the Olympics. We were playing a game against um, Brazil and I scored this goal. The ball was, um, the ball was working down the left side. The ball came across and from like towards the top of the box, I bent the ball with the inside of my left foot into the near post netting and celebrated to my left. Okay. So that was like, I could picture it and I pictured it over and over again. I was doing this visualization all the time. And um, so I came in at halftime at that game, Western New York clash against Seattle rain at Memorial stadium. And um Gosh, now off the top of my head, I don't even remember who gave me the ball. It might have been Jasmine Spencer assisted me. I don't remember who it was. I'll have to, I'm going to actually put you on that task of figuring out who gave me the assist because it was my only goal in NWSL. But the ball came up the left side. Of the, it got crossed across, and I was coming across the face of the goal. And it didn't go upper 90 like I had pictured, but inside of my left foot, ball tucked into the near post corner. I beat Hope Solo. I celebrated to my left. And the only two people who were standing up in the stands were my parents who came to watch me play. <laughs> and it was like, it, but it was so perfect, Jen. Like, honestly, like for me, it was the most unbelievable experience because who were the two people that supported me through the whole thing? Right. You know, that, right. Like those two people. And they were there to support to um, celebrate with me in that moment. And uh, we got whooped. I think we lost, we lost like five to one. We got whooped. Yeah. Seattle was so good that year. So good. Um, but that goal, you know, not only for my last goal to be 
that one that I knew I was going to score because I had thought about it so many times. But against Hope Solo, um, for this um, team where I knew that, like, I could contribute, but it just wasn't in the cards for me there, like, all those things added up. It was just, like, one of my favorite goals I scored because of all of the underlying things that were about it. That's such a great story. Thank you for sharing that. I, I love that. Yeah. And that was your final, final goal? That was my final goal, um, which thanks, but I'll take it. I mean, like not many people <laughs> can say they've, they've ended their career on a, a goal against one of the best goalkeepers to probably ever play the game. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right? That's um, awesome. And then yeah, you said there the were two other... Yeah, the other, so the next game we played in Portland, and um, oh no, the Portland game that I'm thinking of is with the Spirit. Oh, uh, the one where, where you got the, the red card because they thought you were <laughs> yeah. someone else. Yes, <laughs> so that was the one where my whole family came to the game, so that was the year before. I knew that that didn't feel right. Um, one of the coolest things about playing in Portland is like it doesn't matter if you're a woman, right? Because the atmosphere there makes you just feel like a professional athlete. And so that was something getting to start that game with the spirit and play in that game and have my family in the stands. Plus um, like my 15 friends who live in Portland, who have, you know, supported me through everything to have them all there and cheering me on, but to play in that game, it was a really good intense game and it went back and forth and, um, Portland was beating us by two goals, but there was like, we had this like kind of surge toward the end. And um, it was right before I got the second yellow that was supposed to go to Tori Huster that ended up going to me. It was right before that, that um, we had chance after chance. And I think we almost scored an off, a, off a corner kick. And that's where the breakout happened, where I, I ended up coming to the place where Tori had fouled. I think it was Beto Bouquet and I was like, it got mis misidentified, but uh, that atmosphere and playing in that atmosphere was like a really cool experience for me as a professional soccer player, knowing that um, I got to just feel what it felt like in that stadium. Cause it's a feeling that I think is really indescribable. Well, I even had to put in my almanac under the, the list of all red cards, you know, a little asterisk saying, Jordan was misidentified this <laughs> a red card because after you yeah. told me that that story a few years ago I went back and, and watched that game and I'm like oh I totally see how the ref thought it was you because yeah. of where you ended up but it's like but no right. it wasn't you <laughs> it was not me I literally got there right when he blew the whistle and so I think he looked up and he was like oh it's you and I'm like no yeah. it's not me and Lori <laughs> Lindsay was going mad on him like just yelling at him so hard um because and I think she was so passionate and we were all we were all so passionate because even though we were losing by two goals it really felt like we were gaining some momentum and so like we felt like we could get back into that game but um Instead, it was an early shower for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then just the, the last game that stands out, it, it played a very, very, very small role in it as far as on the field goes. But we, it was, I think, a game in May we were playing against, it was Western New York, so we were playing in Rochester at our stadium against, uh, it had to have been Kansas City. We were playing against Kansas City, 
And um, I remember I went in towards the end of the game. And before I had gone in, I was warming up that whole second half. And I'm just like, we were one goal down. And I was like cheering my team on and cheering and screaming. And like, if you ever saw me at a soccer game and I was on the bench, like, oh, I was probably the most annoying person to listen to. But I knew if that's the only way I could help my team, then that's how I was going to help my team. So I ended up going in for like the last few minutes. And I ran onto the field. And I remember getting close to Amy LaPelba and her eyes just got huge. And she was like, Oh crap. Like do not let Jordan score a goal. And afterwards she was like, I was so nervous. Like I thought you were coming, you were for sure going to score a goal at the those last eight minutes because you of all people are one that can make it happen. So I didn't end up scoring, which was a bummer. But I think for me, just that, you know, I went through a lot of trials in my career. And I think sometimes when I look back on them, those really cloud my memory of like who I was as a player. And that memory sticks out because Amy LaPelbit Amy was one of the best central defenders I think we'll ever see. And her respect for me in that mo in those moments. And I think it just brought that reminded me, like, you are a good player, Jordan, you, you are, um, you do deserve to be here. So that's something that I try to remember when I'm looking back at my career as well. It's not, it wasn't all just injuries. It was some good stuff too. <laughs> well, and, that, and that's why I wanted to get some, some of your memories because mm -hmm. especially that they would fall in the earlier part of NWSL, they'd be moments that, you know, a lot of current fans might not be aware of. And when we have the right. privilege of having almost every NWSL game still fully accessible online, it's nice to, you know, like go back to, to see some mm -hmm. of those, you know, and right. I think we're, we're at such an interesting time with the league right now. I mean, we we were all excited about this eighth season and, and you know, getting mm -hmm. into territory that we've never seen women's pro soccer in this country get into before. And now we've, we've had this just huge pause. Everybody had to hit yeah. pause, right? right? So what I think is interesting is that this might be a great um, leveler for all the clubs, right? It's like everybody has the same pause. Everyone's preseason got shut down. Um, yeah. I think when things resume, it's going to be a question of, well, how well did you manage that yeah. quarantine, yeah. which is a completely different skill set, right? Than managing a team that's playing. So, you know, talk about, you know, what, what you would do, say you were coach of one of these clubs, like you've yeah. been through that. Hey, I had to put everything on pause. You know, what, mm -hmm. what would you try to do? I think it's a, that's a really good question, Jen, because everybody's going to have their, like, um, be able to say what they would do right in these moments. And what I think, I think it is actually in some ways, like a little bit of a, um, a benefit to players because, if you think about how many players last year played in the World Cup, how many players maybe didn't play in the World Cup but went and played in Australia over the break. Like, mm -hmm. we have gotten in this routine uh, as female athletes that we've just gone from one season to the next or, like, it's been acceptable to just push to that next season without any kind of rest. And right. in some ways, I think it's going to be super beneficial to these players to have had the rest, maybe not, like, I know they're still training, but there's a difference between training and exerting physical energy versus playing in a game and what that demands from you uh, right. physically, mentally, emotionally. So I think right. that just kind of letting, 
not having those right now, I think there's going to be a lot of players who are honestly going to benefit from it. And so um, just some healing from, um, you know, the World Cup and what was after that and whether it was wins, you know, maybe they're on the national team but for here in the U.S., but maybe they weren't. Maybe it was Australia and they were really – really bummed about what happened, you know, and, and I'm telling you, I lost a a youth world cup and I was devastated by that. And it lasted a long time until really until my first ACL injury. And I think um, I, I wasn't ever really over what, what the emotional impact of that world cup loss was. So I think there's going to be a lot of benefits to just not having games right now um, for the players, well-beings mentally, physically. Um, But when you talk about the mental side, like, as I was just saying, there's things that you can get better at without physically exerting your body. And like, I think that there's some really good, there's time now to watch games and maybe evaluate players on other teams and uh, dig into, you know, maybe how you can expose them. You know, if I was a, if I was a winger, I would watch every game for every outside back and be like, this is what this outside back does. This is what I'm going to do to him next time. You know, that's what I would do. Um, So there's time to have, to have the ability to do that. And so I think as a player, you can always get better. And as a coach, um, it's just, I don't know what the coaches are doing. Like clearly they have physical uh, workouts that they're doing all as a group, but uh, you know, film sessions or, or things that they can work on. Uh, I think it's really just like a lot of mental health right now though, too. Like, are you, are you setting yourself up with like a mindfulness trainer? Like I know Tori Huster works with Stuart Singer, who is one of the best mindfulness trainers. And I think her game has become something different because of what she's learned from him. So, um, yeah, I just, I think it's really interesting. And the, the key to the game right now is just adaptation. Like how can you adapt best in this time in order to have your front foot, like a good foot forward when, when we get out of this. So it's going to look different for everybody, but I think you can sense when you've found what what works for you. But those are my ideas. Well, I, I like that you bring up um, getting time to recoup um, both medic- mentally and physically. So, you know, mm-hmm. any, any players who were coming back from injury at the beginning of preseason, yeah. here, here they've had an extra six plus weeks, um, oh, yeah. you know, that, that, that they wouldn't have had without losing um, a potential spot on the roster. And then just, just the mental, um, because, you know, as, as women's soccer has gotten more developed, not just here, but elsewhere, the calendar is getting more crowded. Right. Um, uh-huh. and it still uh-huh. isn't, it still isn't sorted out as cleanly as I think, um, the, the men's right. is, but, but part of that comes to, you know, it's like our rosters aren't as big and, you know, you don't really right. have B teams and the yada, yada, whole other story, but yeah, right. just have that, that, that break. Like I was emailing yesterday with, um, Aaron Heifetz, the press officer for the U S national mm-hmm. team. And I joked with them. I, I said, this must be the longest you've gone without traveling. <laughs> yeah. And, oh and he God. said, he said, it's not a personal record yet. He said, but I'm getting really close, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think too, about yeah. like, you know, the, the national teamers who probably do more, the most travel of all of the players in NWSL, whether they're U S or, or foreign, um, that they're probably having a really nice rest from, you know, not taking 
all those flights. You know, it's just, yep. it's a, it's a, it's yeah. a very strange time. Well, Jordan, strange, thank you. I, think, oh, yeah, go ahead. you're welcome. Oh, but, I was just saying it is strange, but we can get through it better. And, um, you know, I think as long as we focus on what we can do individually to be better, I think that um, we can come out of it better as well. Well, and thank you so much for sharing your memories of those NWSL games. Yeah, much, much appreciated. And I hope, you know, I hope everybody enjoys watching those because, of course, I will I will post links to those games on the site. Time for a little gensplaining. Today's topic, Women's World Cup playoffs. So you may have watched a few days ago, U.S. soccer rebroadcasts the Women's World Cup qualifying playoff from 2010, USA playing Italy. So you're wondering, why is there a playoff? Why would you play a team that's not from your confederation? So FIFA decides how many slots each confederation gets for each Women's World Cup. And sometimes you'll see confederations get a half slot. CONCACAF usually ends up with a half slot. So they'll say, okay, we get three and a half slots in a World Cup of 24 teams. And how do you send a half team? Well, you don't send a half team. But that means that another confederation also had a half slot. So in qualifying for the 2011 Women's World Cup, CONCACAF had a half slot. And UEFA, otherwise known as Europe, had a half slot, which meant that whatever teams finished just beyond the guaranteed berths, those teams would face each other in a playoff. And the playoffs are always done as a two-game series, home and away. So each team gets a home game. Whoever is ranked higher in the FIFA World Rankings gets to host the second game. So 2010, USA lost to Mexico in the CONCACAF semifinals. Uh, They faced Costa Rica in the third place game. So they won the third place game. And at the time, because the 2011 World Cup was only 16 teams, CONCACAF had two and a half slots. So Mexico and Canada got numbers one and two slots. Mexico, uh, USA got the half. So they faced Italy in the two game series. So USA went to Italy, won one zero at Italy, returned. And that was the game that they played the other night hosting Italy here and again they won 1-0 so they won 2-0 on aggregate Um, so whenever you're looking at you know number of slots that's what the half slot is about that's that's a playoff and the playoffs that were scheduled this month for the Olympics um, we had Cameroon set to face Chile so Chile had earned a half slot Uh, by virtue of their finish in the Copa America in 2018. And Cameroon had finished third in African qualifying. Uh, So I think I got that right. Second, third. Um, So those two teams were set for a home and away playoff series in April to determine the final team for the Olympics. Of course, we also had China and South Korea still to play their games that had been delayed. But of course, that's not a playoff. That was Those were still both Asian teams. So I hope that makes sense. Uh, anytime you see a half slot, it's really referring to playoffs. All 
right, Jen Cooper, the keeper here with one of my broadcast partners from NDRSL, and that's Josh Toll, who, Josh, you're not calling games, so what are you doing? How are you keeping yourself occupied? I mean, you must be really bored. And it's uh, definitely a little bit weird. I mean, I've been trying to keep up on my notes, uh, trying to update that and keep it as it goes with players coming in and just kind of what teams are doing with their rosters and what they've done essentially since the draft and just be ready for that uh, come the season when it kicks, hopefully in late June is what I last heard. So try to stay busy with that and just, you know, reading and, and just trying to keep my mind busy during this time. It's a, a weird place for everyone. So I'm just trying to stay creative and as busy as possible during it. Now, have have you been enjoying some older games like, you know, the, the, the rebroadcasts they've been doing of U.S. Women's National Team games and World Cup games? Or you're like, nah, I don't, I don't need to see it again. <laughs> no, I definitely like going back and rewatching stuff. Uh, earlier, I went back and watched some of my games I called and ways to do research on myself and how I can get better with certain terms that I overuse and just kind of get the lay of the land still and see how I can improve game in and game out and just describe things different than I normally do. But yeah, going back and watching the U S national games has been great. I love what Fox and some of the other places are doing Twitch uh, where you can just go back and see a game and just watch it all the way through and enjoy. It's kind of fun to, to watch that history and remind yourself of where you're at during that time. Well, I foolishly thought that I could, like start a calendar of all these to like share with people. And it's just like, there's, it's constant, like, Oh, we're going to do this. Oh, so-and-so is doing this. Like, like, um, you know, cause everyone's scrambling to fill, fill airtime. Right. So right. it's like, there's just no way to keep on top of it. But the nice thing is almost all the stuff once it's shown, like it, at least the stuff on, on YouTube and Facebook, it's staying up there. Which yeah. is just which is just wonderful, and ESPN uh, Plus, their app, they've been pulling up old stuff and and leaving it there. A lot of women's college soccer from last fall, so it's like, hey, plenty of things to to keep ourselves entertained with. And and I thought, hey, you know, let me catch up with Josh, but also I, I wanted to hear your thoughts on you know the most memorable memorable games for you from NWSL last season, and I. I'm sure it's a fair guess to say you called more NWSL games than anybody else last season. I mean, you were basically living in Florida, right? So you, so you were there every weekend um, calling games, you know, two, sometimes three in a weekend, right? Or did we have that one weekend with four? Didn't we have one weekend with four? I think we had a, either a double header on both Saturday and Sunday, or we had one Friday night, two on Saturday. Yeah. Sunday or one. We on had Sunday. at least we had at least one with one with four. But so of all those games, um, tell me uh, tell me about a few that that stuck out for you. Yeah, there's definitely a few. The first one I'll start with is what I think I might have been goal of the year, but Amy Rodriguez against Sky Blue, where she gets the throw in in her defensive third, dribbles it all the way down, and just fires a rocket right over. I believe it was Harchich in goal for sky blue and just drills it in. And that goal just showed how she's still performing at her age. I think she had like nine goals last season, but just her willpower to take it the whole length of the field and not be denied and finish it with the back of the net. It's just one of those unreal shots that just continues to stick out in my mind during this off season. It's one of those ones that I enjoy going back and looking at just to see the effort that she puts in and kind of just going down the field to get that goal to score. And I, I love seeing an Amy Rodriguez goal. Uh, just the, like you said, the, the kind of 
determination, just like there's such a fierceness about her that really hasn't, you know, faded at all as, as she's aged. And when you think about what she's come back from, you know, that injury in the very first game in the 2017 season, you know, missed two seasons separate from that due to pregnancy and is still pretty high up on the, on the scoring list for, for NWSL. So I always enjoy an Amy Rodriguez goal. Um, and, and to, to kind of get a new start with a new club, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Grand last year was her second year with, with with Utah, but it's like she's, to me, she's the heart and soul of that club more than any other player. Well, she was quiet her first year. Katie Stangle led the team in scoring in 2018, and then 2019, A-Rod, I think, took the total there. And just what stands out to me about her is her intensity. I don't know if there's many more players in the league or even the world for that matter, that are as intense as her game in and game out. There is yes. just something about her mental focus that she has that's just impressive to see out there on the pitch. Yeah, just, yeah, intensity. I love it. Um, and then you had mentioned to me, uh, which game was it in the middle of the season? I'm blanking already. Uh, well, we had earlier there, the Orlando and Tacoma game, or yes. City, the first one in yes. Tacoma. So that yes. was on Easter weekend, and everyone was wondering, like, what was going to be the turnout for that one? They ultimately had over 5,000 people at that game for the first one ever. And then to start that one off, you have Alana Kennedy with a bicycle kick, which was just unreal uh, to get Orlando on the board first. I think that was their first goal of the season as well. First so goal of the season, yes. To get them going, but then who comes up big in that one for Rain SC and puts her name on the NWSL lookout list is Bethany Balser with her first goal of the season. And obviously she would go on to win Rookie of the Year. But that really started to put her on the map. And now she wasn't just another kid out of Spring Arbor University. And now she's making a name for herself in the NWSL. So that was cool to see that first goal of her and see how she would continue to develop last year with Rain. And Rain and and Orlando having just like an incredible streak of like tie games, you know, and, and at that point in the season, so Rain's first home game at a new venue, you know, like you mentioned, people were unsure what the attendance would be, you know, and then of course it was Easter weekend, people had sure what the attendance would be, but you know, great turnout, great facility. Um, so nice to see them move from turf to grass, mm-hmm. hosting an Orlando team that was one of the few teams that had already played two games in the season because they had a midweek fixture just five days before at North Carolina. They got pummeled 5-0. They lost their home opener 2-0. So they're coming into this game with already a minus seven goal differential. So that bicycle kick from Alana Kennedy must have felt like, you know, goal. Just like, yes, yes. Yeah, you know, you take that weight off your back when you get that goal. And, I, you know, unfortunately for them, they couldn't get the win, but that had to just be a huge relief to say, all right, now we got this first goal. We'll see what happens next week in the fall and just to get a little bit of momentum there. But that was a huge moment for the Orlando pride in that goal from Alana Kennedy, especially in the fashion that it came about with the bicycle kick that definitely gets you pumped up. Well, and that point in the season for rain before the, the catch word was injuries. Then Mm -hmm. the catch word was, Hey, Megan Rapinoe's out you know, minor injury. Jess Fishlock is still with Leon for Champions League. Um, 
you had like Taylor Smith was out for the season, but that was known when they signed her, right? So it, it's like, oh, and oh, and they lost Jasmine Spencer in the mm-hmm. opening game. Yeah, so this is the beginning of Tigers talking about injuries. Jasmine Spencer was out for the season after missing the beginning of the game. So you did have a question for the rain of where was the attack going to come from? And so that's one thing I, I love about NWSL is that you're going to have the opportunity for a player like Bethany Balser to to make a name for herself, you know, right. um, for, for players to get those chances and come in. And, you know, it doesn't matter if, if you weren't a name in college or on youth national teams, you know, you've still got a chance to, to show them what you've got. So tense 1-1 game there, uh, you know, for both teams. Um and then I, I love your, your third pick, Josh, you, you mentioned to me, because we just got to see this game replayed on Twitch this week. And, and I highly recommend people go back and watch it if they haven't already, is Washington hosting North Carolina um, at the end of September. And you got to call that game. So, so tell me why that game sticks out in, in your head. Well, you have North Carolina going against the Spirit, who the Spirit have never beaten at the time. And you get, I think, no goals in the first half. And then, of course, North Carolina gets the goal from Lynn Williams. And you're like, all right, well, now North Carolina is just going to do what North Carolina does and just put the pedal down, probably score another goal. But Washington was not having it that night. You get a goal from Mal Pugh, I think, in the 70th minute or so. And that just gives Washington more life. And you can feel the crowd just get more involved as that thing just heated up, knowing that if they win that game, they have a chance to move on into the playoffs. And then sure, about 10 minutes later, Rose Lavelle gets the ball just, I think, right outside the box, kind of maneuvers her way, gets a shot on, gets it to go in goal. I think that was her, it was her first goal for the Spirit. So that was something else. And it just kept their hopes alive for the season. But the atmosphere was just absolutely insane going back and just hearing the crowd in that game and just the intensity from both teams. And you see in the Washington just not giving up. And you look at Spirit last year. They had such a young squad. They had four other five rookies that they drafted in 2019 score goals on the season. They are a young team that was fun to watch last year. I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to bring this year. But that goal by Rose Lavelle late was really just something else to see that crowd get fired up, knowing that they had a chance to possibly move on into the playoffs. Well, and I liked um, when I was rewatching that game the other night, just how crowded, how full the stadium mm-hmm. was right. Um, this was, I think, their first home game, following two home games at Audi Field, both of which were were basically sellouts, right? right. So it's it's like such a great way to capitalize on that that post World Cup bump um, and really build things for the future, and then to you know be hosting basically the best team in the league and come from behind to win. Right, no. right. Well, you also look at who is else was big in that game, and she did it numerous times throughout the course of the season. But Audrey Bledsoe, she had seven plus saves in that one just to keep the spirit alive. It was just ridiculous seeing her just knock balls away and keep the courage off the scoreboard. And that was so great to see. You know, at the end of the season, she got that brief um, call in. You know, mm-hmm. from from the national team just as you know recognition for for that work um and and of course um once again that she and 
Kalen Sheridan end up tied for the league lead in, in, in saves. Thankfully, they didn't have to make as many saves as they did in the 2018 season, which was a pretty tough season for, for both of those clubs. But it's just like, yeah, I, I would say I would say Aubrey Bledsoe was was the MVP of the spirit for, for 2019. She was fantastic. She kept the spirit in so many games last season. It's just amazing to watch her in gold for Washington and what she has done over these last couple of years. She's a, she's a fun one. I'm also looking forward to see what Sam Staub does going into her second year for the spirit, because she was big at center back for Washington as well. I mean, they got so many young players that are going to be fun to watch grow over these next few seasons to see where this team could go from last year to this year and hopefully well into the future. Well, and I felt like Sam Staub, you know, arguably deserved to be rookie of the year. I think it's easy to to give rookie of the year to whichever rookie scored the most goals. And yeah, Bethany Belser had a great story, but only once before in the entire history of the league has a rookie played every single minute. Right. right? And, and to not be a national teamer, to play every minute on a team that was not at the bottom of the standings. Like, like to me, that just, that doesn't get, enough credit, but uh, looking ahead to, to our 2020 season, you know, whenever that starts, you know, who are, who are the players or, or clubs that you're most excited to see what happens with? Because we've had so much change in the off season, um, the actual off season, as opposed to this weird extra off season, um, you know, a lot of players move in clubs, um, a lot of clubs, really in the midst of retooling. So, so what are you most excited to, to see when we get back to action? Um, honestly, one of the ones, uh, because of what they did last year under Mark Skinner, Orlando pride. I think it's going to be a big year for them. They bring in Emily Sonnet. You get Allie Riley, uh, the New Zealand captain. So you fortify that back line. I want to see if they can grow from where they were at last year, where they struggled on the defensive side, if they can get better, Obviously, you have Cindy LaRue coming back. Who knows, maybe at some point, Alex Morgan. Um, they draft Taylor Korniak out of CU, who's six foot. So I think she's going to be a huge presence in the box, a very big body in there, especially in the aerial game. We'll see how that comes to fruition for the Orlando Pride next year. I want to see their growth from what they were last year to this year, because I remember last year, Mark Skinner came in like pretty much right at the draft. So right. he didn't have any time to really – put his team together as he ideally would have liked. And now he's had a full season to see what it's like to play in the NWSL. I remember he talked about the travel and how that played a factor and just the climate change going, whether it's up North or all the way out West, how that plays a factor. So it's going to be fun to see how he actually builds this team and what they look like here in 2020. And you, you can tell that, you know, different international players must be talking to each other where it's like, you know, one player telling another, it's like, oh, I should come to Orlando. I really like Mark, you know, um, as you know, they signed not only Allie Riley, uh, but, you know, Aaron McLeod, who hasn't played in a couple of years, returning to mm-hmm. to NWSL. Um, let me look, see who else on the, the roster that you know, we'll have Sydney LaRue is just going to be more and more in shape coming back. You know, she made it back at the end of the season after giving birth to her daughter. Um, we've also got Jade Moore coming over from England. Kanya Plummer, the first uh, Jamaican national, uh, you know, signed in NWSL, meaning she plays for the Jamaican national team and 
she was actually born in Jamaica, not not a Jamaican right. American. Um, yeah, just a lot of big changes over there. I'm also really curious what happens with Sky Blue. Again, major changes to the roster, bringing on McCall Zerboni, um, picking up uh, Midge Purse mm-hmm. from from Portland, signing uh, some pretty strong rookies. You've also picked up Mallory Pugh from from Washington spirit and moving into Red Bull arena. Like it's a lot of great changes. Um, so I feel like there's that, those, those clubs like Orlando and sky blue where, you know, you just have to watch because they're making big leaps and bounds. And then we've got the teams that I feel are, are like more quietly retooling, like say Chicago and Houston who, you know, lost some big names, traded some, some players, um, but are just kind of doing their own things and tend to, you know, Houston especially tends, I think tends to fly under the radar, you know, having never made the playoffs where I think once the season uh, gets started, actually there, there should be some coverage of, Hey, how do you replace a player that scored 18 goals for you? You know? Right. Right. What I like with Houston too, is you get Katie nine and Megan Oyster, but you also get back Michelle Prince and Veronica Lasco, who as a rookie had four goals. I think she played in about five games before she was injured last season. Right. And I think they had high hopes for her. So with that backline game stronger, who knows what James Clark will do in his second year. Um, they did obviously lose Ojai and Huerta, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens for them going forward as they've kind of retooled as well. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the combo of Katie Naughton and Megan Oyster um, at center back. And I've been working on a dash almanac of the previous seasons. And it was interesting when I was working on uh, the game reports from 2019 this week and just kind of realizing like, wow, the dash really did lose a lot of attacking options where, you know, you lost Nichelle Prince. You know, she couldn't, she came back from the World Cup injured, as you mentioned, Vertlatsko's injury um you know kaya simon ended up injured for for most of the season it was just like like all those little things not you know not falling into place and as easy as it is for us i think in our heads to separate like oh these are the great teams these are the not so great teams we know week in week out NWSL games like they're almost always decided by a goal, you know? Right. So it's, it's, it's like, there's just that little, little part of, you know, how things, how things fall, you know? And of course, you know, on the, on the top end of things, I'm always intrigued to see, okay, what does Paul Riley do next with, with North Carolina, right? How to, you know, only a couple changes, you know, in the off season, then compared to Portland. Oh my gosh you know, huge roster change. And we know more changes are coming that they just haven't been able to announce, um, you know, because of the, because of the pause. And speaking of that, like we've seen the rumor about Utah about to sign two major international players. It just like, does it, doesn't it make you hungry for more? Like you think it's like, Oh, some news, but it's like, Oh, but it's only one little tidbit. I need more. I need no, I'm, more. I'm so excited. Especially it's going to be weird to see Becky Sauerbronn in a Portland uniform. And then <laughs> yes. obviously getting the first and second picks in the draft this year. So Sophia Smith coming in, uh, coming out as a sophomore, that's going to be huge. And then you get Morgan Weaver, who's another big target at five foot 10 
I was looking at their players, and I don't know why I'm obsessed with height, but I think it makes a difference when it comes to aerial balls and sometimes just being more physical. But they have seven players that are 5'8 or taller on their team, and that's wow. not counting the goalkeepers. Wow. So they're, they're ones to watch out. And obviously Mark Parsons was not happy with the way that the season turned out last year. So it's going to be interesting to see that. And then obviously you have Haley Rasso and Caitlin Ford leaving the team and going over to England. So it's going to be interesting to see what Mark Parsons does with this Thorn squad. I think it's going to be fun to watch them as well. Yeah, big departure of, of Australians from a lot of NWSL clubs. Is I, I think they realize for their national team to get better, they need to be playing closer to a year-round schedule, right? As opposed to mm-hmm. NWSL plus W League, which then is a little too much. you know. Yeah. And then, of course, we've got... Uh, the rain, rechristened OL rain. Um, yep. <laughs> and, you know, new coach, a lot of players coming back, but a lot of new players. And of course, um, you know, some of the teams right now, their rosters are over the max because, of course, they didn't have the preseason to cut them down. So we could still see a lot of changes uh, between these rosters, but it's just. I mean, what can I say other than we can't wait for it to come back? <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to see what Benstiti does compared to what Vlaco did with the rain. Obviously, you have Huerta there now, Amber Brooks, Danny Weatherholt. You get Shirley Cruz, who played with under Benstiti in France. So there's going to be a lot of fun new pieces that are coming into the NWSL to keep an eye out for this year, which is also just ups that excitement more. And then you get Jess Fishlock back as well. I, she had four. She had three goals an assist in like five games last right. season before she right. was hurt. She was on an absolute tear, pretty much putting rain on her back. And it's going to be fun to see her back and see what she brings to the club this year again. And with no Olympics this summer, you don't have what we normally have in a World Cup or Olympic years, that, you know, interruption where your top players leave and, you know, it forces lineup changes, right? So it's like we could see some consistency in lineups that we haven't seen in a while. Right. And I think what else is exciting, you know, it's, it's tough right now with COVID going on. But for those players that were playing in Australia, they get more time off now than they normally would have. So a lot of those players are going to be much more healthy than they would have been if this season actually started back in April. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we're going to see... A, a renewed spirit in a lot of people for a lot of reasons, whether it's, you know, the time off mentally, the time off physically, you know, or just a new, a new setting, right? Like, or yeah. just a, Oh, thank God we get to play kind of. Exactly. Thing. Exactly. You're going to have motivation from certain players that were sent to new teams. And then also like just the start of the season, everyone's going to be thrilled just to be back on the pitch because it's been so long. And just with the uncertainty of things going on around the world, I think that's just going to add to the excitement and just players are going to be pumped and ready to go. It's going to be a fun season. And I'm so looking forward to it. And Josh, I'm looking forward to you and I getting back in the broadcast booth at some point so we can call these games. But thank you so much for taking the time to, to review your, your favorite memories of 2019 with me and, uh, and I'm sure we'll be back soon for 2020. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I'm looking forward to calling some games with you this season once again. It's going to be fun. All right, time to wrap it up with the back four. 
first, um, don't forget to check out KeeperNotes.com. I will have links for all the games discussed in this episode, as well as posts on other historical women's soccer video- videos and lots of other Woso nerd topics. And speaking of historic Woso videos, if you have any women's soccer games on VHS, uh, I would like to have them. <laughs> I'm trying to, to build up an archive of games I don't already have. So if you have a VHS tape uh, of a game that's not already out there, please send me an email, keeper at keepernotes.com. I will convert the game for you to DVD, send you that DVD if you want it, also send you a digital file. So send me an email, keeper at keepernotes.com if you have anything old, WSA, WPS, US national team, anything. Also, um, I've kind of reactivated my third handle on Twitter, which, which is Woso Merch. Um, with this pause and our normal activities, I've been doing a lot more Googling, of course, for Woso Merch, because I just can't stop myself. So check out Woso Merch on Twitter for daily posts. And last but not least, of course, uh, a plug for my Keeper Notes, NWSL Almanac. This 350-page comprehensive guide to the league's first seven seasons has a complete player registry, coach registry, stats by season, all-time stats, records, streaks, color photos, playoff game reports, lots more. This stuff does not exist in one place anywhere else. You can order now at keepernotes.com. You can buy it in print and you can also add on the PDF option. And I'm just about finished with my first ever team specific almanac, which of course being a Houston girl, that's a Houston dash almanac, but I um, hope to be able to do almanacs for, for more teams in the future. So again, you can buy that at keepernotes.com, sorry, at www.keepernotes.com. All right, signing off. Um, thanks to Roughneck Scars and also to Icarus FC. Best place to go if you're tired of your same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas. They can create a completely custom kit for a youth club or your Sunday league adult team. Just check out IcarusFC.com. And of course, thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to all of you participate in my trivia when there's uh, a game going on and most of all thanks to Sean and the beautiful game network for making this podcast possible but now she's anybody's girl